Mac Power Users, Episode 429, Going Deep with iWork. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie? I'm well, David. How are you? I'm doing great. And I thought today would be fun to go take a look at the iWork suite. Yeah. You know, Apple had this education event. Was it March when we had the education event? Feels like it was a while ago. And they gave iWork some love. iWork, you know, kind of started out big gangbusters. We had the iWork suite and the iLife suite. Um, And then it kind of got an update that wasn't really an update where it lost some features, but gained some compatibility with iOS. And people were worried it was kind of lamenting for a while. But it says seems like Apple is uh, slowly, but perhaps surely bringing it back up to speed. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. There's a there's a lot of um, uh, haters out there for iWork. You know, I don't know. It's it, it's not Microsoft Office and it's not Google Documents. It's somewhere in the middle of those two. But what I got thinking about when they came out with this update, because I use iWork actually quite a bit in all the various facets of my life, is just how often I use this uh, app. It's it's free. Uh, it works really well. On- well, well, I mean, it's 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 free with a Mac purchase and, and is it free with iOS? If you, if you buy an iOS device to come with iWork, I think it does. Yeah. But so it's, it's, it's for the most part, it's free. Although I think technically if you went to go buy it from the app store, if you didn't have it, it would be nine ninety nine, right? I don't even know if that's true anymore. I'll check before we, we finish the show, but I, let's put it this way. If you bought a, a piece of hardware with a fruit stamped on the back, it's free. And for most people listening to the show, that's probably you. Um, so it's, you know, as opposed to Microsoft office that you need to pay subscription for these days. So it's free. It's got some really powerful features. I use it, like I said, throughout my law practice. And I think there's a lot of folks that have, um, not checked in with iWork for a while. And I thought it would be a good show to talk about where it works, where it doesn't work, and maybe even discuss some of the newer features and how we're implementing them in our lives. Yes, Apple has made iWork free for everybody now. I guess they just figured it was pretty much free. That was back in April of 2017. Um, I guess they figured it was just pretty much free. Well, when you when you get to sell, um, you know, phones for a thousand dollars, that gives you a few extra bucks to throw around at software development. So that's that's kind of a nice uh, side benefit for Apple. And for well, too bad it doesn't work that way for all our developer friends. <laughs> uh, well, and you know, there's that whole discussion of you know Apple with this race to the bottom and how that's hurting all of our developers. But that's kind of a whole different topic. Yeah, and honestly, there are no independent developers out there that can make an Office suite. The three Office suites that I think are worth considering at this point in time is Microsoft Office, iWork, and the Google suite. And they're all good for different reasons. We're going to mention that during the show, but the focus of the show really is iWork and and what it can do and what it can't do and, and some interesting uses we have for it as we uh, as we try and get our work done in 2018. So let's talk a little bit about kind of this, the state of the, the office suites in, in 2018 with, without diving too deep in the other ones. Can someone get by with, with iWork? I, I think about, you know, the, the computer user who perhaps uses a Mac at home and a PC at the office. Maybe they, they don't have access to an Office 365 subscription. Maybe they don't want to buy um, a standalone copy of Microsoft Office or Microsoft Word. Um, maybe they've got modest word processing needs. Uh, can just an everyday person 
get by with their Mac or their iPad and iWork now? Well, I think the answer to that question is it depends. I mean, it depends what you do. If you're an accountant that uh, engineers corporate takeovers, no. Um, if you're somebody that that does run-of-the-mill word processing spreadsheet and, and presentation stuff, you'll probably be just fine. I think what I'd like to do is shelve that question, frankly, till the end of the show, because uh, we are really going to kind of dive deep on some of these things and where the limitations are. And by the time you get to the end of the show, I think you'll have a really good idea where where you fit on the spectrum and even giving advice to friends and family as to what, you know, the right solution is for them. One of the things that's going to be fun, uh, just kind of an introduction is Katie and I for years have done the outlines of the show in Google documents. Because there was that one time that we tried this and it was horrible. Yeah. Well, when they first announced a collaboration for pages, we tried, well, let's do an episode in pages and um, it was a, it was kind of an epic failure. I mean, it just didn't work very well. I, I guess it, we didn't lose data, but it wasn't fast enough for us to be able to do a show with it. And uh, when Apple had the education event, I, you know, Katie and I were like, well, this is if we're going to do a show on this. Let's let's kick the tires and eat the dog food or whatever the saying is. So we set up an outline and we I think I would say have been pretty happy with the results. I think it took us, what, four years to try this again because it was so horrible the first time we tried it. Yeah, but but you know what? It wasn't horrible the second time. And we're going to talk about that throughout the show. And when we get to the end, we've got a section of the outline for collaboration. But I guess the, the early reports are it worked pretty well. I mean, it, there are certain things that weren't as good and certain things that were frankly better. I, I will say it worked well, yes. Um, but I plan to go back to google docs for uh episode 430 yeah i knew that i i'm not i didn't even ask you katie because i knew what your answer was gonna be uh but for someone who does a lot of these work on ipad honestly i think i'd prefer it in pages because it's so good on on ipad but so that's that's where we're getting deep into the outline let's start at the let's start at the top um um and I think the first place to begin with this stuff is talking about pages because word processing is so essential for so many people. And uh, the question that a lot of folks have been asking us, email and Facebook and whatever, is, you know, can pages function as a usable word processor? And and the, the, the big answer to that is, of course, I mean, it was built as a word processor. And I think it does a fairly good job with that. Um uh, but the question is, do you need pages or or do you need, frankly, do you need to pay for Microsoft Word or can you get by with pages? And um, and let's talk about that just for a minute. What are the costs of these other services, uh, starting with the Microsoft Office suite? I swear that was the question I asked like three minutes ago and you said we were going to shelve it to the end of the show. But okay. no, I think uh, the question I heard from you was, can can people you know skip Microsoft Word and just use pages? I'm just asking now, how much does it cost if you want to go with the op- the other options? Right. Uh, well, you can, I think the, the least expensive way that you can buy a standalone copy of uh, Microsoft Office is they do make a, uh, a home and student version that's around $120 a year. Um, you can also buy like a home and business version that's around $200 a year. Um, and then if you, I, I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. You can buy a standalone install for home and student for two, a flat price of $120. So that's, you know, for however long you continue to use it. And I think you get maintenance updates, but you don't get major updates. And then there's a, a home and business version 
uh, that costs $200 a year. And then if you're going to subscribe to Office 365, uh, there, there are various options for doing that. Um, but I think even at the, the very basic level of subscribing to Office 365, it, it's going to cost you um, somewhere between, you know, if you've got uh, to, to get the personal version, uh, it's 70 bucks a year. Um, to get what they call the the home version, and that's for use on one device, uh, one Mac, uh, one tablet, one phone. Um, to get the home version, which is available for up to five devices, five tablets, five phones, uh, that's seventy dollars a year. Um, or you can buy the standalone again home and student version. I, I misspoke. That's uh, one hundred and fifty dollars. Or you can just buy Word for one hundred and thirty dollars. So it it, it kind of depends. It's the short version is. For an individual, seventy bucks a year is the is the starting point for three sixty five, or you can buy just Word for one hundred and thirty, or the suite for one hundred and fifty, and then you know the pros and cons go from there. Honestly, that's one of the problems with Microsoft Office is that explanation Kenny just gave. It's it's so complicated. Where, where to I had to correct thing. myself like four times in the middle of it because I was not understanding the little grid they gave me. Yeah, the uh, so I have it. I'm a lawyer. I've got to have Microsoft Word, and we'll talk about that as we go through the show. But the um, I pay ten dollars a month. I subscribe through the App Store. I don't know why I do it there. I, I think I just for whatever reason chose to do it there years ago, and it cost me. Honestly, that's a pro tip. I didn't even know you could subscribe to Office through the App Store. Yeah, I do, and it cost me ten dollars a month, and um, and it's worked that way for years. And that's a three sixty five subscription. So I also get some some office 365 storage and I, I get access to the device. I think it's on five devices, but I've got it on my iPad and my, my Macs and my iPhone. And it, it works great. A couple of times I've had to do screencasts for companies where we had Microsoft word on windows and I do a virtual install on my iMac and I use my 365 subscription to get it on there. So uh, you can get it on a multi-platforms, but you know, my, you know, I guess the, the rough estimate, it's going to cost you about a hundred bucks a year do it if you want to have Microsoft Word. So subscribing through the App Store, if you end up going that route, is a good idea because I don't know about you, but every time you see one of these uh, App Store sales, you you can usually almost always buy an Apple um, uh, iTunes gift card for 15% off. Sometimes if you if you spot them right, you can buy them for 20% off. That's my tip is, is, is I buy, uh, I subscribe to whatever I can through the App Store and then pay for it. Uh, with an Apple gift card that I've now bought discounted. So it's it's like a 15 to 20% discount on whatever you buy. Well, in the back of my mind, I've always felt like I probably could get it cheaper if I went to Microsoft. They've probably got some way for me to buy it that's cheaper than $120 a year. But there's almost always a discount or a deal to find somewhere. I I got one when I went back to school a couple of years ago. They were like, they were basically throwing it at us uh, to try to get you to buy it before you graduated. There was like, here, you know, buy it now and we'll give it to you for four years for a flat price. And I was like, all right. Well, either way, I, the, the question really comes down to, and a lot of people are outraged when I tell them as a lawyer that I use pages, that they feel like the lawyer should only use fancy tools like Microsoft Word. And that is generally true when I need to collaborate on an agreement with another lawyer because they're probably not going to have pages and track changes is the way that business runs. Uh, but the fact is, uh, as I was kind of looking at the outline for the show, there is a lot of word processing that I do. I mean, and lawyers are kind of one of the businesses that still actually does what you would call traditional word processing, where we make things on a computer and we press the print button. Um, the, um, 
I do a lot of it in pages uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of them uh, starting is I feel like graphics heavy stuff. Uh, pages is just better than word. Like whenever I try to drag artwork into word, it's really a crapshoot whether you get it to stick where you want it to on the page. And then if you make any changes in the document, things move around and granted, I'm really good at working with graphics and Apple software because I've done so many iBooks author projects over the years, but I understand how to make, you know, the settings and, and, and frankly, pages makes it pretty easy for anybody to how do the words wrap around an object that you drop into a, a page and and how do things stick or not stick and how do they fit on the page. But it's just, you know, moving graphics around the page with, with pages is a lot easier than it is in words. So um, as a starting point, um, I have fancy letterhead, but I also sometimes just use computer-generated letterhead, and that's done in pages. So all of the correspondence I write as a lawyer is a word template. You know, whether it goes on to the pre-printed letterhead or on the, the computer-generated letterhead. And so, did I say Word? I meant to say Pages template. We caught you. Yeah, so I have a, a Pages template that I created. And then, you know, you can save the templates in Pages to the custom user templates. And uh, I really like the layout I've got on it. I've got the typography in there. And uh, that's that's all doable in Word, but the graphics elements of it are not as easy or as consistent as they're in pages. So I just made the decision a long time ago that I would do all correspondence in pages. And it doesn't matter because I don't share correspondence as a as a file with uh, opposing counsel, obviously. Uh, it's something I control and um, I really like it. Uh, another big advantage of, of pages that will kind of come out through the segment is it works really good on an iPad. And when I leave the house, I don't usually have a laptop. I usually have an iPad with me. So if I want to work on a client contract or a fancy letter that I write as a lawyer, I, I can do that in pages, I think, probably better than I can in Word. Uh, and and don't write me emails about how much you love Word for pages, uh, Word for iPad, because I, I love it too. It's a great app. But there are certain things that Pages is is just better at because Apple puts more uh, wood behind the bat on all their iPad stuff. So I guess that's the first category for me: graphics heavy stuff. Um, I, I recently had a a, fan, a big mediation. I have a client that's in a, a big dispute, and we're trying to get it resolved. So we hired a retired judge, and we go and we all drink coffee and eat cookies and try and sing kumbaya together. But so I wrote a mediation brief for that, and. In the mediation brief, I had pictures of the related stuff to the dispute. I had charts that I'd made in numbers. I had um, kind of graphics that I'd created in OmniGraffle. I had put together, in essence, a Max Sparky version of a legal document. And the judge was super impressed, you know, because he had it, it just, you know, it makes it really easy to lay data out for them. And I just don't think I could have put that together in Word. Yeah, Pages has a. Uh, one of the things that I use Pages for is when I need something to look pretty. And if I need words on a page and I need to share those words with people, Microsoft Office is is usually my my go to doc thing. But when I need something to look pretty, Pages is what I go to. I think the last time I had to put together a resume for something, I think my resume was done in Pages, and I exported it as a PDF, and that's how I shared it. But I wanted it to look pretty. Yeah. And, and the, 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 one of the statements you just made that I kind of highlight in my brain is you say, when it's something I'm not going to share. And I think that's the point where you may run into trouble 
uh, and it depends on what you do. Uh, Katie and I are lawyers, so we deal with a lot of fancy documents and with other fancy people that like to spend a lot of time in documents. So I think our industry is really kind of an edge case in terms of how anal retentive we are about tracking changes and sharing documents back and forth. Uh, but where we work, uh, if I'm going to share something with another party, uh, it has to be a word document. I mean, almost always. So like just to, to contrast, like I, I make contracts for clients all the time. I have a lot of clients that like, they need a new contract that they want to give to their new customers or something they need to share with their employees. It's something that I'm the only lawyer that will ever work on it. Um, and frankly, just because a lot of my clients are Apple, a lot of folks come from the show, become my clients, you know, and I've got this Apple bias in my clientele, uh, uh, pages is quite often the platform I use for that. But even if they're not like Mac nerds, if it's a contract that I'm the only person that ever edits it, I will do in pages. Once again, I love the ability to work on it on the iPad. And, and frankly, some of these new features that have added, we're going to talk about later, just tie me to pages even deeper. But then once in a while, I'm asked to write a contract that's going to be shared with corporate counsel for some other company. And it's going to be the traditional contract where we negotiate it back and forth and we take turns making changes. And, and that's what I talk about. I talk about track changes. Somebody will send me a contract and they'll say, we're going to pay you, you know, $10 per widget. And then I strike that out and write $5 per widget. Microsoft Word has a really good uh, machine in it or a good mechanism in it to track that and share exactly what I changed to the other side so they can look at it and approve or disapprove. Pages also has a really good track changes, except the problem is the guy on the other side of the phone or the gal doesn't have pages installed on her computer. So it doesn't work, you know, so you've got to ha have the same, same underlying software on both sides. So that's where you run into a problem. That's a definitely a, an area where pages just will not cut mustard. Um, but, but that is not the case for everybody. I think actually quite a few people listening to the show are never going to have a need for that. In fact, when they have a need for that, they go hire someone like me or you or uh, their CPA or somebody who, who needs those features. So I do think that it's easy for us to overvalue uh, those features in Word because it's so important to what we do. Right. I mean, if I, if I need to write a letter to somebody or if, if I'm typing up notes for something or if I'm using something that's just for me or if I need to use it for personal correspondence, I think Pages is probably fine. And this is where we get to the first tip towards what's the answer to the question we push to the end of the show? Um, I think for a lot of people, the answer has always been, you need Word unless you've got a really good reason to need pages. And I think that the calculus is flipped. I think that you probably get pages unless you've got a really good reason to get Word. I'll tell you the other thing is that Hey, Word has been, I mean, when you get into Word, it's almost like sitting at the cockpit of a 747 sometimes. Finding things in Word can be so difficult. And with every major version, it seems like it changes. And there are things that I do in Word so frequently that I have to find them every single time. Like when I go to make my labels for my Christmas cards every year, that is something that, that I, every time I think, I'm going to write this down step by step and save it somewhere. And I never do because I make I make labels maybe once a year and I forget how to do them. And it probably takes me, you know, 10 times as long as it should 
because I forget how to do that. Or if I need to do a mail merge in Word, I have to like go back and remember and then maybe Google because they've changed something or moved something every time I go to do that, how to do it in Word. And Pages doesn't have as broad support for things like making labels and envelopes and and mail merge as Pages does, as Word does. But it probably has the basics of what you need to do those. And it's a whole lot simpler. Yeah, although I would I would carve out of that mail merge. I think mail merge is another really good reason to get Word. If you do a lot of mail merging, Word is far superior. And there's a whole bunch of people that are running Pages 09 on their computers, which is an ages old version of the application, simply because they did Pages did mail merge better way back then than it does now. So, yeah, mail merge is one of those areas that that could pull you into Word, but. How much, if it's a once a year Christmas card thing, I'm not really sure it's worth it. You you can do mail merge with an Apple script and there are ways to do it, but it's, it's definitely not as friendly as Word does it. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by FreshBooks. With FreshBooks, you can get a free unrestricted 30-day trial for listeners of the show with no credit card required by heading over to freshbooks.com slash MPU. So to all the freelancers out there, you know just how important it is to make smart decisions for your business. Well, our friends at FreshBooks can help save you up to 129 hours with their cloud accounting software for freelancers, and it's ridiculously easy to use. You can start by simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, getting paid online. FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. I want to talk a little bit about the new notification center. It is like your personal assistant, or maybe like a heads-up display, or maybe kind of like a view screen in Star Trek. But anyway, you always know what's changed with your business since you last logged in and what needs to be dealt with pronto. And one of my favorite features of FreshBooks is it automates the billing and payment process. You can create an invoice and email it to a client, and FreshBooks can let you know whether they've seen it or not. There's no more of this guessing game of, hey, did you get my invoice? Oh, I don't know. Whether did I saw that or not? FreshBooks puts an end to all of that. It's clean. It's beautiful. It creates lovely invoices. And you don't have to worry about any of that anymore. If you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, well, it's probably time that you give it a try. FreshBooks is offering listeners of this show an unrestricted 30-day free trial. There's no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash MPU and enter Mac Power Users in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So head on over, freshbooks.com slash MPU, enter Mac Power Users, and start your free trial today. Thanks to FreshBooks for helping freelancers everywhere and for their continued support of this show. At this Apple Education event, we talked all about the Apple Pencil. I mean, that was the big highlight is the 9.7-inch iPad is getting Apple Pencil support. So it's no surprise that one of the big changes to Pages is that it's getting Apple Pencil support. And I got to tell you, this is something that got me thinking about, maybe I want to go get another Apple Pencil for my iPad again. I am so into this new feature. In fact, it's the first time I tested this feature was immediately when I realized we're going to do a show on this because you know, I, I work has been on the back of my mind. I feel like it hasn't really had a podcast talk about why it's good in a long time. Uh, but this feature is, you know, I think somebody in Facebook wrote, you know, I've seen the future now because it just solves a problem for you. Like, you know, getting back to my, one of my uses of, of pages is often I write uh, legal correspondence or um, contracts. And that's stuff that really has to be done right. And uh, one of my workflows has been for a long time to go from pages to print those to PDF. 
then I'll go into PDF pen and I'll get my Apple pencil out and read it. It's almost like, you know, it's like the old fashioned version of printing it out and getting the red pen out, but it's easier. I think reading it with the idea that I'm not working at a keyboard and editing it, but instead I'm using a pencil to mark up problems with it. It turns different switches in my brain and I do find mistakes. I don't find otherwise. I don't think I'm alone on that, but, um, so Apple added this feature. Uh, first of all, they have all these great drawing tools. So you, you've added the ability to draw inside pages. So if you want to add your own graphics and if you're talented or want to use their built-in graphics to kind of do cool stuff, you can. That's a nice feature, but that's not what we're talking about. The thing that's amazing is smart annotations. Uh, so if you've got a pages document and you've got an Apple Pencil, all you do is you tap the pencil on the screen. And it immediately goes into smart annotation mode. You can do it in the menu as well. Uh, this is, of course, on the iPad. And then you can use your finger if you want. But the Apple Pencil, I mean, this is a reason for Katie to buy an Apple Pencil again. And we're gonna, that's, that's one of my goals for 2018 is to convince you to buy an Apple Pencil. Did you know that? It's on my secret list. All right. But so, so you tap the pencil anywhere on the document and it goes into the smart annotation mode. And then you get the typical annotation tools that you're used to on the iPad, on the iPad pro, you know, like the, um, the stuff you see in Apple notes, it's got the very, the highlighter, the pen, the pencil, the color selector. It's a very basic, but you know, solid set of annotation tools. And then you just read the document. And if you see funny spacing, you underline it. If you see words that need to be separated, you draw a line between them. It's all the stuff you used to do with a red pen and you just go through and read it that way. And the amazing thing is then when you go back into the document, if you start moving text around, the annotations follow it. And and they're calling this a beta feature, but I have not had it fail me yet. So you understand what I'm saying? As I go through, like I'll go through and then after I do the the pencil, I usually use a red pencil because that's the way I grew up doing this stuff. Um, Usually I will set the iPad down, go to the big fancy 27 inch monitor on my iPad, make this the text real big, and then I'll go through and I'll start making changes. The stuff that I circled, I'll fix and you can select and delete your annotations selectively as you go through and make changes. But then maybe I'll say, oh, you know what, I need another sentence here and I'll write in another sentence. And when I'm done writing the sentence... If you look down through the rest of the document, the annotations have followed the text that they were on. If I circled a pair of quotes that weren't smart quotes, they're still circled, even though I've added another two or three lines to the document. It just follows. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm making too big of a deal out of this, but uh, for me, it's really added a, a significant improvement to my editing workflow. Right. So when you make the change, you know, a lot of us, they're kind of standard proofreading marks that that we make. If you, you know, see something and you do the three lines under it because it means capitalize this or you you circle something, then when you go back, like maybe with the keyboard and all, and you make a change that disappears, right? Well, you, the annotation is there until you select and delete it. Right. So you have to, you have to select and delete the annotation. That's That's what I'm unclear about. So do you have to select and delete the annotation or just when you change the text, the annotation automatically goes away? No, it's, it's not that smart. It, you, you have to delete the annotation because I guess the assumption is it doesn't necessarily know why you've annotated. Um, just, just for giggles, uh, just as I finished that sentence, I just circled some words on the, uh, the annotation. Um, 
uh, anchor to text I wrote a circle around and it just showed up on mine like within seconds. I don't know if it shows up on yours or not. This is the ongoing collaboration yeah. test. Yeah, no, it works. You, you already got it. Yeah. So if you go in there now, you can select that and delete it. Just tap on it with your mouse and now it's gone. I mean, I guess that's a good thing. It's it's, it's an extra step. So, yeah. I like it. I mean, I, I really like, I like the fact that it's in one application. One of the nice things about these most recent improvements to pages, it does kind of get rid of the, in a lot of ways, it gets rid of the the shuttling of text back and forth through various applications. It it gives you a kind of a one-stop shop for a lot of this. So anyway, I, I'm relying on this. I think it's a great feature. Um, uh, I This is not something you see in any other application, to my knowledge. I know you can annotate with the pencil in Word, but it doesn't have the annotation following in this way. So uh, I'm sure they'll have it in six months. I mean, I'm I don't think there's anything magical about this that Microsoft can't do as well, but uh, it's a powerful feature. So we've, we've, do you think I'm very excited to see where this goes from here? We've got WWDC coming up next month. I would love to see Apple build in more annotation friendly features for iPad developers. I know that iPad developers have annotation. We we've got, you know, our, all of our favorite PDF tools now have annotation features built in. But it seems like, man, if there was just an API that you could hook into and, and make your annotation features, smart annotation features, that, you know, that, that'd be great. Although it's not as important in a PDF app because in a PDF app, if I want to add a sentence, I'm not actually adding, the, you know what I mean? It's, it's, I guess you can annotate text in a PDF, but that's highly unusual as opposed to in a word processor. Um, but uh, you know, an annotation to it, this is a little off topic, but I think it'd be cool if there was a way to annotate anything on the iPad, if I want to draw a picture on anything, but that takes away the ability to use the pencil as a, as a G uh, as a graphical user interface input tool, because then it'd just be used for drawing. But if there was like a setting or maybe a new pencil with a button on it or something, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of smart people at Apple. I'm sure if they wanted to do that, they could. Uh, either way, uh, Apple Pencil Support, if you haven't tried it yet, it's working on your version of the uh, iPad and the right now. So if you've, uh, if you've got an iPad Pro and an Apple Pencil, uh, pause the podcast. Try it out and see how much you like it. I, uh, for someone like me, this is a, is a pretty significant feature. Um, let's talk a little bit about... Um... Pages as a iBook platform. Uh, they introduced this. We talked about it pretty extensively when we talked about your new field guide. You've had a few more weeks to play with it now. Uh, let's kind of recap that conversation for people who maybe didn't listen and and talk about what you've learned. So what have been the changes now with Pages as an iBook platform? You can now create EPUBs in Pages, correct? Yeah, EPUB 3 format, which is the multimedia most current EPUB format. Now, what is the difference, just to be clear, between EPUB and iBook format? Uh, uh, the big one is EPUB is an open standard format, and, and iBooks, .iBooks files is an Apple proprietary format. Um, what happened was, I think Apple was tired of waiting for EPUB to move along because it's an open format. It takes forever to make changes and move things along. And when they wanted to make iBooks author five years ago, they weren't willing to wait. So they went ahead and just made their own format, which is an enhanced and fancy version of EPUB. You know, it'd be fair. It's not that 
they aren't that different on the ones and zeros level, but, but one Apple owns and the other one is open. So that's a, that's a big deal for an author like me. Um, because I, I can only sell dot iBooks formatted books through the Apple iBook store. You know, as an example, I have people writing me right now saying, I want the iPhone field guide, but I don't have the iBook store in my country. Can you send me the iBooks file? I'm not allowed to Apple prohibits it. Uh, and because it's their file format, I've got to, you know, play by the rules. So I end up doing this PDF version, by the way, that'll be out soon. So keep an eye out for it. Um, but there's a, a PDF version of the book that people can buy. And, and I, I tell people, even though I make more money on the PDF because I don't have apples and middlemen, um, I would prefer you buy the iBooks version because it's all in one book, you know, it's all there and it's all together and pretty. Um, but, but so that's a, a difference when the next book I write is going to be an EPUB three book, people like that, I can sell them one directly and I'm not breaking any rules and they get the full features of EPUB. So that, that makes it nice. And talk a little bit about some of the difference between the iBooks format and the, the ebook format. We talked a little bit about some of the scrolling things that you can do and, and those things, but in terms of moving forward, are there going to be significant differences? Yeah. And, and I would, if you're really interested in this, go listen to the end of the iPhone field guide episode two or three weeks ago. Cause I went in, we went into it at great length, but, um, the, the new version, uh, and since we recorded that show, I've spent even more time in it and I'm even more convinced than I was at the time that I'm going to be just fine writing books and in, in pages. Um, so the, the new version of it, so that's the short version of the story, but th- with EPUB three, I can put picture galleries in, I can put videos in, and most of the main things I do in in a uh, in an iBooks author book are going to be in an ePub book. the The big disadvantage I think is iBooks author has the ability to make a transformable book that can go on all different platforms. Like uh, the iPhone Field Guide, one of the big challenges is I want the book to look beautiful on the iPad, but I also want it to be functional on the iPhone because the iPhone has a much smaller screen. Um, I was able to engineer a book and iBooks author that does both of those things that you can look at it on your iPad or your Mac and it looks great. It's got all that great artwork and all the stuff that I spend all the time on. But if you just want to say, oh, I just want to see it on my phone, you know, let me make the text bigger so it's easier to read and give me the appropriate links and videos right in the iPhone. You can do that. And that is not something I can do with EPUB. And and that was a concern for my for me after when we recorded the episode on that two or three weeks ago. Um, since then, I've kind of come up with a solution to it. Um, when I release this next book, it's going to be EPUB three, but I'm going to sell it. It's going to be a container. You're going to, if you buy it directly from me, you're going to get a a fancy, pretty EPUB version. That's got all the artwork that you can look at your iPad, but I'm also going to have a scalable version that looks good on the iPhone. And I'll just give you both versions. Um, I'm even thinking about doing a, um, an audiobook version of just reading the book. Cause there's some people with disabilities that, you know, can't read the book and they would like an, an audio version of it. I'm thought, well, why don't I just make it and I can just throw it in the file. Um, and the downside for the, for the customer is now you've got to pick which version you want to install on your various devices. Uh, whereas with the iBooks author, that was just kind of taken care of for you. But, uh, the, the, uh, the advantage is you can have multiple formats and make it work exactly the way you want on each platform. Can there be a bonus Katie Floyd commentary track? If you would like, we could probably work something out <laughs> just like, like snide remarks on occasion. Yeah. 
It could it could be like you could toggle it on like the director's cut. Yeah, because this next book, you know the title of it. I, we're not, I'm not sharing it yet, but it's one that I'm, I believe you would have a lot of snide remarks in. Well, so I, it, could, I could add colorful commentary. I could add my thoughts on <laughs> the various matters. So I've, I've got all these ideas. The other, the other disadvantage of, of EPUB and Pages over iBooks Author is just the, the book navigation stuff is, is built in with iBooks Author. It's just automatic. And with Pages, I have to manually create that. But once again, I, having spent now many hours in, in Pages treating it as a book platform, I think I've got most of those things licked now. I've got some good ideas where I'm going to kind of build navigation into the book through graphic elements and different things. So um, I feel really a, a lot better about it now than I did after the education event where it sounded like Apple was just very slowly letting iBooks linger, you know, so... Uh, I'm in good shape and uh, and I'm doing all this in pages. So that's another reason I guess I wanted to talk about pages. I'm spending at least two hours a day in pages writing this new book. And uh, that's a whole new experience for me as well, because I never wrote a book inside iBooks author. That would have been madness. And part of that is just because it's 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 not designed for that at all. But have you have you found it to be pretty stable? The the current version of Pages, yeah. Uh, in fact, all the all the apps we're talking about today, Pages, Numbers, Keynote, and frankly Word, you know, Excel, and um, and uh, I forget PowerPoint, PowerPoint, the, yeah. uh, you know, and the one the, we don't those, talk about. All those apps are just s- stable as heck. I mean, I I honestly can't remember the last time any of those apps crashed on me, and I use all of, all of them often. Do you remember when we when we wrote a keyboard maestro macro to automatically save Word every minute? Word was terrible for a while. Uh back in the days, you know, kind of after the Intel transition and frankly for several years after that. I mean, it was really bad. You would type a letter and it would be like you would literally see the cursor blink once or twice before the letter showed up. It was like that's what a word processor is supposed to do. You push the button and the letter shows up on the screen. You should not have to have a noticeable pause. But, you know, I don't like to, and I used to be really down on Microsoft Office because of that, but I don't want to say that anymore because Microsoft Office is good now. And honestly, the stuff they do on the iPad has got some real intervention there. Uh, but the... um. <laughs> so I don't want to dwell on that, but you're right. Uh, some of the Microsoft Office stuff used to be pretty bad, but that's not true anymore. All these apps are are absolutely stable. And that's honestly another big reason why I'm feeling pretty good about switching to Pages to write my books is that Pages doesn't crash. Whereas iBooks author, you know, it, it makes a beautiful book, but man, sometimes it's just misery as you get towards the end of the book and the the file starts, I don't know if there was a memory leak or what the problem was, but the file would crash frequently. Like, like there's one thing in, in iBooks, because I'm working on the 1.1 update to iPhone field guide right now. If I, because I've got this beautiful 27-inch iMac screen, but if I try to resize the book, the the page size on my screen, the application crashes almost every time. It's like, it's the button that you cannot touch. All right. Anything else we want to talk about in regards to iWorks? We we covered it quite a bit. I'm sorry. In regards to iWorks as a book platform. No, I mean it's it. That's an ongoing story, and it's uh it's it's a lot better now than it ever was before. So I think that's a good summary. 
All right. Um, I do want to talk about uh, one more thing quickly, and that is they added a teleprompter feature to Pages, which I I think is pretty interesting because there are a lot of these, um, or there are these specialty teleprompter teleprompter apps. I have I have found a number of occasions. I have to give speeches sometimes, and I found a number of occasions where um, I would really have liked to have given a speech off my iPad, but I really didn't. You know, want to go buy a particular teleprompter app for this. And so they have this presenter mode in Pages now, and Apple kind of is pitching it as a virtual teleprompter. And it allows you to write all the words, which is good because you can write them in Pages. And then it's a distraction-free reading text environment. So you can set it to auto-scroll at an adjustable speed. Um, You can adjust the text size, the spacing, the font. I I found that I have to make the text a little bit bigger when I'm reading it, and I've got my... um, uh, iPad at a podium or what I've been doing is just printing out um, paper and I have to okay. big paper. Just let me say, you're not even 40 yet. You're not allowed to talk about that yet. Well, uh, do you have reading glasses? I don't have reading glasses. I do have regular glasses that I, I, I have found that I have to start wearing now um, for like the in-between distance. Like if I'm reading something on a computer, that's like more than an arm's length away from me. I I just got my new Warby Parkers, you know, I they, just uh, I got some Warby Parkers that are in my uh, in my cart right now. I just got finished my home try on kit. They they should they should sponsor the show. They don't. We should talk to them. Yeah, about. they should. They, so I have the progressives, and I I hadn't been in. It's been so long since I had my eyes checked for 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 vision that they uh, that they wouldn't give me new glasses. I had to go get it checked again, and so I have a brand new prescription. And the glasses showed up just a couple days ago. And I'm just like so happy right now. Cause like I see all the leaves on the trees and when I, uh, I, they, because they're progressive now, because I guess I'm old, the, um, uh, when I, I can now like read the iPad or a book and also see my kids across the room or the TV and I can see both. I'm, I'm living life large right now because of that. This episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by Casper the internet's favorite mattress. Go to casper.com slash MPU and get $50 off select mattresses with the code MPU. Casper is the company focused on sleep and they're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend a third of your waking life sleeping. If you spent a third of your life doing anything, you'd want to make sure it's the best it can possibly be. And that's why you need a Casper. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. So what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable? They combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. Casper mattresses are designed and developed in the U.S. and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is very quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial, and they deliver directly to your door. And if you don't love it, Casper has a hassle-free return policy. Now, I first got a Casper mattress when they started sponsoring us, but they've been multiplying in my house. I've bought them for my children because everybody likes them so much. My daughter is getting ready to move out and she's going to have a different size bed. And she's already informed me that the one thing she wants to make sure she has at her new place is a Casper mattress. And the good news is I'm going to have it shipped directly to her apartment. So I don't have to deal with moving a mattress. 
she can open the box and just let it, you know, expand in her apartment. And frankly, I don't blame her for wanting a Castro mattress because they are so comfortable. I tried different types of mattresses before we switched to a Casper, and this really is our favorite mattress. It's super comfortable without feeling like you're sinking into it like you get with some memory foam mattresses. Every time I travel and I have to sleep on hotel room mattresses, no matter how fancy the room, I can't wait to get home and get back on my Casper mattress. But like I said, you spend a lot of time on your mattress, so why not get one that you can enjoy? Upgrade your mattress today. Head over to casper.com slash MPU and use the offer code MPU to get $50 towards select mattresses. Terms and conditions do apply. We thank Casper for all those good nights sleep and their support of this show. All right. I think we covered most of the stuff we like about pages. Uh, let's just talk. We have a kind of a laundry list here of things we're doing with it. Um, what are you using case, uh, pages for? These days? More than anything, um, I use Pages quite a bit as a desktop publishing tool, uh, particularly in my my practice. You know, when you own your small business, um, I have a, a very, very fancy uh, graphics department. Um, you may know my graphic designer. Actually, my graphic designer is uh, our, our, our buddy Frank, um, Forgotten Towel, who uh, um, designed all my, my graphics for my business. But um, for anything like brochures and pamphlets and, and everyday things, um, my my in-house graphics design department and my business of one takes care of all that. And uh, they use pages for, for all that kind of stuff. I, I think that's a, that is a corner of, you know, pages users, people who don't necessarily need a word processor, but they like to make brochures or maybe they're volunteering on the homeowners association or at the school and they just need to make a flyer once in a while. It's great for making a quick flyer or a brochure that, that what I do is I, I take one of their their templates, even if you want it to look nothing like their template. I, I take I take one of their templates as a starting point and then I change everything. You know, I change the color. I change the fonts. I um, I just use that as my background. When I when I went to sell my my house a couple of years ago, um, I guess it's been a year now. I, I they had like a real estate flyer and I use that as my template and I change the colors and I drop my photos in. It took me less than an hour to make those made it in pages, exported as a PDF, sent it to the local print shop. I had like 25 of those printed, you know, that same afternoon and um, sold my house within two days. So I think it was probably pages, maybe. Yeah. Somewhat related for me is uh, making evidence, you know, as um, you know, especially when I was doing more trial work, when you've got a summary of a spreadsheet or 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 even just a diagram that you've created in OmniGraphle, I would lay it up in pages as something that we could print out and add as an exhibit to the uh, case. And it's just a really great app for that because it makes it really easy to set, you know, text boxes and colors and just to make professional looking things that you want to share with other people. Some of the other uses um, is uh, you had written in the outline that it's not so good for writing. What do you mean by that? So let's say you wanted to make a newsletter in pages, something that was very text heavy, text heavy, but also graphics heavy. There's this problem and it worked in the first version of pages and they haven't fixed it in subsequent versions. If you're flowing text from multiple pages, um, that doesn't work so well. And I don't know why. And so I've always had to put my text in last and then manually flow my text from page to page. I don't know why that doesn't work well. Are you able to link the text boxes? I, I, I've done it before where you can link them, but maybe it's... You used to be able to before and it doesn't work so well now. Yeah, I, I haven't made one in a while, so I don't know. 
Sean on Facebook wrote in that he uses Ulysses for that type of stuff where he writes it in Ulysses and then exports it to pages for layout work. Um, I think it's really good for, you know, graphics and layout, like we're talking about. I think it's good with typography, you know, word is too, but I think with pages, because you have so much control over where the elements appear on the page, that really helps you do things like drop case and things like that are, are very simple. Um, one of the things I really like pages for is the style formatting. I am a big fan of heavy style formatting and documents I create. Even the one we're working in right now for the outline of the show, if you look at it, there's headings and everything's applied so I can make a change. If I want to say add three points to the bottom of heading two, I can do that and it automatically attributes it throughout the document. And uh, I do that in my personal stuff. I do it in the legal stuff, the Max Barkey stuff. Everything I work on, I, I use style formatting heavy because it just makes so much sense. And style formatting on Word is great on Word for Mac. And it's not so great on iPad because they don't let you make changes on iPad, which is a one of my biggest gripes with, with Word. Uh, whereas on uh, Pages, you can do anything, just about anything on iPad. So uh, style formatting makes it really useful. Um, uh, Terry and Facebook wrote in, he likes Pages for Harvard style outlining. I think that's easier to use there than Word. Um, I, I think the iOS app in general is superior to all the other options we've talked about on the show. They, you know, It's made by Apple. Um, the scriptability for automation is better. It was, it was kind of bad for a while when they made the switch to the uniform kind of underlying code, but now it's, it's got better. They do have Apple script, although now that Sal's not at the company anymore, uh, I don't know if, if Apple script's going to get much more love. So I'm not sure that's something you can count on for the future, but, um, for me, multi-platform and, and just the ability to have those features on, on every app is, is a big winner for me along with that, that new annotation tool. So what about what doesn't work with pages? What's your what's your biggest complaint? Uh, well, I talked a little bit about the the text issue that I was was having in pages. So that's that's one for for sure that doesn't work. Um, I, I think some of my my big complaints with with pages really have to to deal with what what sometimes pages struggles I think to determine what it is. Are you going to be a word processor? Are you going to be a, a layout program? Are you going to be a book creation program? I think it tries a little too hard to be a jack of all trades and as a result is is really a master of none. So it kind of has a surface level competency on a lot of things, but it really doesn't dive deep and and do a whole lot of things really well. Yeah, I think that's a fair complaint because it does try to do a lot of things and there certainly are, are points where it's not as good. Uh, one of the things I noticed uh, as I'm working on this book is I want to move sections of the book around. And iBooks author, that was a real simple process. You just move a chapter. Um, in pages, in order to do that, you have to put section breaks between the individual sections. But when you do, once you do that, you can just click and hold on an individual section and it groups them all in the sidebar and you can easily move them. But, you know, that's the kind of thing where it's just not really engineered to do that all the time. So you run into some problem. I think another uh, common complaint is it's not as compatible with Word. You know, some people who have uh, Word at work and they want to be able to open it at home in pages and then export it back to Word and take it back to work and have it just work. That's not always going to happen for you. And um, I, you know, I just don't think while Word compatibility is in the app, it's not as good as just using Microsoft Word. I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, I think like we, we said before, it, it has certain uses that are, that are good. 
Um, and it scratches an itch for a lot of people and it will work for a lot of people, but there, there definitely are limitations there. So I think my takeaway, so who is pages for, I think it's for anybody that really doesn't need the killer collaboration features of docs, Google docs, or doesn't need the, um, doesn't need Microsoft word for the sake of Microsoft word, which I think probably describes a lot of people. All right. I agree with that. So, you know, there is more to the uh, iWork suite than just pages. And we spent an awful lot of time in this episode already talking about pages. Uh, do we want to talk about maybe one of the other apps? Like how about numbers? Yeah. Numbers is another uh, app that doesn't get much love on Mac power users. And um, the, the usual comparison with numbers is to Excel that, you know, Excel is more powerful, you know, why bother with numbers? Excel is way more powerful, you know, um, and there's, there's certain features to Excel that don't exist in numbers, but, but even bigger than that is just a lot of the math in Excel is even deeper than the stuff available in numbers. And so that's, that's the story. Um, the flip side of that is, it's easier to use numbers, you know, have you ever opened Excel and just like scroll to see how many cells are listed on the screen when you open a new sheet? It just, I think it goes into the millions. You just dr- click and drag and just see how far it'll go. The infinite list of cells. You don't get that with numbers. You get a, a screen that you can put individual tables on that then you customize to, to fit the data set that you're bringing in. Um, to me, it feels like it's a more deliberate spreadsheet, if that makes any sense. Um, but, but numbers does fall down in comparison to Excel if you're engineering a corporate takeover, you know, and you're going to have some real fancy uh, spreadsheet stuff going on. It's, it's probably not for you for that. Um, with, the, with the most recent update, they added several features. They have donut charts now, which just make me hungry, frankly, when I look at them. Mm, donuts. There we go, Homer. Uh, they, they've got so many shapes, you know, you can drag shapes into it. So, and that kind of goes with the theme of all the iWork stuff is that working with it on a graphical level is really nice, which is the reason why, frankly, numbers is another one. I think I sound like an Apple fanboy today because I, I just frankly use iWork a lot, but, uh, numbers does a really good job of allowing me to make pretty spreadsheets and, for the extent that I use a spreadsheet, the the math functions in it are fine. I mean, there's a bunch of functions in it that I have no idea even what they are. So, uh, you know, the limited functions available in numbers goes far beyond my pay grade. So I don't really miss the even fancier um, statistical analysis that you can do with an Excel sheet. Yeah, I will so often open up a, a number spreadsheet, create something and then convert it into Excel because I need to share it with somebody because I know how to do something in numbers very quickly and easily that would have taken me a while to do in Excel. I just started making a list. Oh, one of the things they added, this was actually in last year's update, but it's worth mention is stock and currency conversion. So you can make a spreadsheet in Excel and, and just put in a sheet for, you know, um, euros and us dollars, and it'll do the up-to-date math for you to give you a conversion rate which is kind of cool. You know, it, it goes to my idea of Excel as an application platform, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, Excel both, well, I didn't mention it with pages, but Excel pages, and I'm sorry, I didn't mention it earlier, but numbers pages and power and boy, Katie, it's going to be really easy. Keynote. <laughs> they all do a really good job with file management on iOS now. So if you want to be able to use a cloud-based data source, to work with these applications on your iPad or your Mac, you're, you're going to be fine. And I think that was another nice update they did. 
so getting uh, thinking about the show because we actually started playing this show a couple months ago i just made a little um apple note where i just started making a list of all the times i use excel and i was really shocked at how often i use excel (laughs) i mean gosh dang i did it again didn't i I was about to ask you i said do you really mean excel are you talking about numbers i i don't know what's going on katie i got these new glasses and everything's different now okay well i think you should maybe take them off because they aren't working Maybe we should take a break and I should just have a drink. I'm not sure. Maybe that will make it easier. Okay. All right. So let me say that again, gang. I use numbers a lot. And when I started playing the show, I made a little spread, a little, uh, not a spreadsheet, but a list in, in Apple Notes of every time I opened up numbers and started using it. So I thought I'd just share some of it with you. Um, uh, the first is the lawyer type stuff, you know, my day job. Um, I use numbers all the time. Um uh, I have a lot of clients that are like companies and corporations and I need to keep track of shareholders and I make, I have stock ledgers and shareholder lists and all that stuff is always a number spreadsheet for me. It's very easy to set up. I set up templates along this in the years past. They're colorful. I've got a color printer. So when I print them out and look, put them in the corporate book, they look really nice compared to the handwritten stuff I see in the older corporate books I deal with. And they're very easy to update and the math in them just works because I set it up that way. And so I always have a, accurate reading of exactly what the percentage ownership is and who owns what. So that's, that's like a typical use for a spreadsheet for me, but there's a, then there's a bunch more. I, um, I did a, a blog post and we talked about this, I think previously on the show, but I made a settlement spreadsheet, um, which is almost like an application that does, it uses some of the math involved and the science fall behind, you know, how do cases get settled and what's an accurate number and, like if the party offers you $10 now, um, how much does that really worth to you at the end of the case if you're going to have to pay another $20 in attorney fees and, you know, stuff like that. So that's something I use all the time. I actually give that one, I put it on the iPad and when I go to a settlement conference, I give the iPad to the client and let them play with the numbers just to kind of give, to empower them a little bit to understand more what's going on. So I did that in the last two months. Um, I make uh, contract exhibits all the time and, and numbers because it's just a, a better app. You know, it, it allows me to, if I want to do a spreadsheet style thing, I can put titling on it. I can include images and all that stuff is, to me is easier to do in numbers than it is in Excel. Um, uh, I make checklists in, uh, in numbers all the time. So when I have a new client that we set up a corporation for, I have a checklist that's printed off a numbers list. Um, I have, uh, common formulas for the law practice, like calculating interest and things like that, where I've saved them as templates, where once again, they kind of become little applications. I could, I could buy an app that does some of this stuff, but I've just set it up as numbers, uh, templates, and then I can just open them at any time. And because of iCloud or, uh, synchronization over the cloud, I can access those also on my, um, my phone and my iPad. Um, and. I also really like, uh, you know, that evidence style data presentation. Like I was talking with pages when I want to make something that looks pretty, I do, I just make it in numbers. It looks good. I, I really like the way it makes charts and graphs. And so when you want to make a chart or graph to make your point about something, put it together with a quick number spreadsheet and then drop it into pages or your keynote slides and you're good to go. That's a pretty big list. It is right? a big list. Yeah. And all that has happened in the last two months for me. So that's where I got it from. Um, That's just the lawyer type stuff. Then there's the personal stuff. We have a family budget that I run in numbers. And um, I also do some inventories um, where I've got some stuff 
just around the house that I want to keep track of. Um, I had the weirdest thing happen. You know, I have inherited some antique guns. I've never been a gun guy. And so I've got these things like locked up in the attic and I, I don't know what to do with them. So I started making a number spreadsheet on them. I'm going to have to find somebody that, that can help me, you know, I guess sell them or something. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. But, but that's like an example. I, I built that last week when I was trying to solve that problem. And I just went to numbers for it. Uh, Max Sparky stuff. Um, I've got a um, uh, sponsor tracking. You know, every week we have a sponsor at the website. Um, I have a, a, a newsletter that sometimes gets sponsored. So I've got all these different places to track all that. But I keep the schedule in a number spreadsheet. It makes it really easy because I start the new year. I just put the the date for the week. And, you know, you can do that trick in a spreadsheet. And this is also an Excel too, where you just drag down and it auto fills in the dates and does all the math for you. So that's a spreadsheet I'm in all the time. I, uh, I have co-authors, um, with, uh, some of the books I've written and I, I owe them money as money comes in on those books. That's all tracked in a number spreadsheet and, um, book production. When I was finishing the iPhone field guide, I had these massive number spreadsheets with, uh, all these checklists for every chapter. Uh, one of the things I like about numbers is they've got a checkbox style cell, you know, where it just makes a checkbox. So I've got 44 chapters in this book. I just needed to track. Have I got the screenshots imported? Have I, have I shot all of the screencasts? Have I, you know, all that stuff gets done in a number spreadsheet. So where did you, you said you started creating a lot of these within the last couple of weeks. What? No, no. The, I mean, these are these are ones I've used. I, I mean, in the a last lot, weeks. a lot of these yeah. you've used in the last couple of weeks. Where did you originally get the? Um, did you use templates for these? Did you download templates for these somewhere? Did you just create them all from scratch by hand? Um, where did they start? Yeah, most of them start um, by hand. Just you know, I just make a sheet and start doing it because you can do the the color formatting is really nice. They've got like a blue format and a green format in the in the built in formatting. Most of my sheets, I just push the button and and adopt Apple's you know professionally designed formatting. Uh, and then some of them grow off each other. Like another one, this one isn't on my list because I haven't used it in the last couple of months. But the uh, when I was doing more litigation, I would have these fancy numbers spreadsheets where I would keep a list of witnesses, a list of key facts, a list of key documents in a case. And I still do that when I track a dispute for a client. And it's just a one place I can go where I can immediately have a full chronology of the case and a list of the key documents. And, and I put metadata kind of in them in numbers uh, fields. And that's a basic template that I've made over the years. So now when I have a new dispute for a client, I just open that up, save it as a copy with the, with the client matter. And then as the client starts throwing documents and information at me, I fill it in. Like if I'm on the phone with the client and they're like on June 12th, so such and such happened, I will, put that in as an entry in the chronology sheet of the numbers uh, sheet for that case. And it, there are fancy uh, legal software you can buy to do stuff like this. But, you know, I'm a basic guy. And if I just have it in a number spreadsheet, it shows up on all my devices. I can send the PDFs to clients for review. If I'm sitting in a deposition, it's really easy to access. So, you know, I, I make all these things through numbers. I, I use a lot of number spreadsheets. You you certainly use them more than I do. I mean, I, I tend to use a lot for expense tracking. I, I create number spreadsheets at the end of the year to send to my CPA, to add all my expenses, what's what's taxable, what's tax deductible. I do, um, I like you, I have a budget in numbers. I do them for a lot of event tracking stuff. 
I'd say anything that really has to be shared with people um, or anything where I'm collecting information. I, I do a lot of this. A lot of this, honestly, for me, has moved into Google Docs. Uh, I know this is not the Google Docs show, but, um, you know, there's a great feature where you can, you know, pull information in from like a Squarespace form into Google Docs. And I'll, I'll use that and then I'll, I'll export it, you know, as an Excel document. And sometimes that will will end up into numbers. Um, but I, I do use I will tell you again, it, this is kind of the thing. Anything that's going to go be for me or stay with me, uh, I usually do in a number spreadsheet. I, I, I will tell you, though, um, I, I, I love numbers for its, its ease of use, but we, we still have that sharing feature with numbers. You know, it, it exports into Excel but um, you, you, it's hard to, to it, I would say it's even probably harder to share a number spreadsheet with someone than it is to share pages files. I mean, probably if they have pages, they have numbers, but not everybody has it downloaded or those types of things. I agree. I agree. If you're working with somebody that's expecting an Excel sheet, then you should just work in Excel. It's, it's just not Excel. you know. And it doesn't collaborate like Google Sheets, although I would say that if you haven't tried collaboration in iWork for a while and you don't need that type of collaboration where you literally watch the other person's keystrokes um, and that's the um, the only thing holding you back. Like if you would prefer to use iWork, but that collaboration is holding you back, you should probably try it because uh, even just generating this show, I feel like I have a lot more confidence in collaboration with iWork than I've had before. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by 1Password. You can learn more by heading over to onepassword.com slash MPU. Since 2015, over 30,000 businesses have signed up for 1Password teams and discovered just how 1Password can help them secure their business while increasing their productivity. Well, now 1Password has created a tool just for businesses called 1Password Business. It provides the features that you need for a larger team and gives you the tools to help protect your employees, secure their most important data, and stay compliant. Your administrators are going to love the control it gives them, and your employees are going to love how easy it is to use. 1Password helps by keeping you in control of who has access to what. Each employee gets a place to store their private work-related passwords, but then there are some passwords that need to be shared, and for those times, it's very easy to share passwords, but only with the people who need them. 1Password protects your passwords behind a master password and a secret key. And now you can add yet a third layer of protection with multi-factor authentication support. In 1Password for Business, the team has created some super useful reports for your administrators. It's never been easier to keep on track of everything happening on your team. But as we've said time and time again on the show, you are only as strong as your weakest link. And 1Password knows that your business data is only as safe as your employees' habits. So if anyone brings an unsafe password habit from home into your work environment, that puts your entire business at risk. And now you can protect your business by keeping those you work with safe at home. With 1Password for Business, each employee gets a free 1Password for Families membership. So this way they and their family can learn the password habits they need to protect themselves and protect your company. You can try 1Password for Business today, sign up for a free 30-day trial, and see for yourself how 1Password can help your company. Your data will be more secure, and your employees will be more productive than ever. Head on over to onepasswordcom MPU and sign up for 1Password for Business. And thanks to 1Password for their continued support of the show. Um, let's talk a little bit about what works and, and what doesn't work in numbers. Uh, again, I go back to my big usage for the iWork suite is that it's pretty. It's very easy to generate good-looking spreadsheets in numbers. Um, 
I don't think that anybody will tell you that Excel generates particularly great looking documents. It's better. I mean, they, Microsoft's made progress with this, but I don't think there's anything as simple to use as numbers. And like, even just like the layout feature where give me a text box right here and then put, you know, then put the spreadsheet underneath it. And if I want to move it slightly to the right, I can. It's just so easy to do this kind of stuff with numbers. Um, uh, Matthias uh, wrote in on, on Facebook that he's a teacher and uh, he was not getting enough feedback from his students by just giving them a grade, you know, an ABC grade. So he started making graphs and numbers showing them where they were doing well and where they could improve. And it, it really helped his students do better and find where they could improve. And all that's just because it's so easy to use this number stuff to put it together. Um, and honestly, I think for most people, um, numbers out of the box is a good enough spreadsheet for for a lot of people uh the problem is where you get into you know you need to work with excel when you've got to collaborate with google you know that kind of stuff it's it is an issue but for run-of-the-mill apple ecosystem work i don't think there's anything better for cross-platform you know spreadsheet work by cross-platform i'm talking about apple ecosystem not not windows right cross cross-platform you mean mac to ios yes I wonder if that'll always be cross-platform. We'll see. Oh, I think so. I mean, they went through, I mean, uh, something we haven't really mentioned on the show is that for the longest time, uh, the iWork suite was one code base on the Mac and a different code base on iOS. And I think it was right after the 2009 version that they said, okay, we're unifying it. And as a result, several features got yanked out of the Mac version because they were had this unified code base. I didn't mention earlier um, that... Um, that we've got now, like it pages displays two pages now, which was a big deal for a lot of people. And so they're slowly bringing the stuff back. Apple script came back and, you know, features are slowly creeping back in, but they had to take a minute to kind of rewind to get it all in the same code base. So I don't know why they would ever disable it on, on Mac or iPad or iPhone now that they've done that. Right. Let's talk a little bit about what doesn't work in, in numbers. And I, I think that the, big thing is that it's it's not Excel. It's not as powerful as Excel. It doesn't have the features that Excel does. It doesn't have the compatibility that Excel does. I, I will tell you, are you um are you nervous at all about uh, maybe not so much about Keynote. Keynote's probably the one I'm the least nervous about. But are you worried at all about numbers and pages? I, I keep thinking about um uh Apple Works. Where are all my Apple Works documents now? What if I have things in Apple Works? How do I get to those? And the answer is, unless you've converted them, you're probably not going to, absent using some um, uh, proprietary uh, file converter program. Are, are we worried that numbers and pages may go away at some point? Apple may just lose interest. Uh, certainly not in the immediate future. I mean, we just had an event where Apple just did another significant update to these applications. They've gone through all the the agony of putting it on this shared code base. I think we're fine for the immediate future. I mean, uh, will uh, iWork Suite exist 20 years from now? Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know that Microsoft 
I guess I would say that the Microsoft Office formats will be more universally recognized longer than anything iWork makes. But you don't know that that's for sure either. I mean, if Google starts eating Microsoft's lunch in the education field, uh, maybe people grow up just to use Google Docs in both pages and work, go, go to the to the junkyard of technology. But uh, to me, that's not really a concern. I, I'm not going to choose which app I'm going to use based on concern that whether or not the files will open in 20 years. But I guess if that's a concern for you, that's something you should be thinking about. But I don't see it as a big deal, at least in the immediate future. What do you think? Uh, I, I don't think that my numbers and pages documents are going to open in 20 years. I think there's a reasonable chance that my Microsoft Word documents will. Well, I don't know. How long is, has iWork Suite been around? I didn't look that up before we recorded. I, I remember when iWork was launched. So uh, we, we can we can look that up and, and find an answer to that in the next few minutes. But uh, it's it's been around a little while through through various incarnations. Remember when Apple Works came out? I mean, I used Mac, right? And then uh, Apple, and then Claris Works, and you know Apple Works. I mean, Claris was kind of like a FileMaker type company, it was you know owned by Apple, but was never really part of Apple. And then Apple Works came out of that, and Apple Works feels like it came and went pretty quickly. Yeah, iWork was initially released in two thousand five. Okay, so it's it's thirteen years old. That's a good question. I don't know. I I feel like the benefits I get out of using these apps greatly um, outweigh any concern I have about them working in the distant future. And interestingly, Keynote was the first application in 2003. It was a standalone application. And you know who the beta tester famously for Keynote was? Was that Steve Jobs? Yeah. I mean, that was his application. (laughs) Yeah. And then um, they added Pages in 2005. And when you have two applications, you now have a suite. There you go. And numbers came later. And numbers came later in 2007. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, uh, I think there's a lot of good use for, for numbers. The, um, it's not Excel, but we're going to have people write us. I guarantee you after we release this show that say, well, I use pages for this particular need, or I do this thing with Excel and, and you know, it's just not possible for me to use these apps. And I totally understand that. And that's okay. Um, I guess my argument, if I'm making one in this show is that, if you haven't looked at the iWork suite, for a lot of people, I think it's good enough. And it may be some way superior. And then that, talking about superior, I feel so uh, much love towards Keynote. <laughs> that uh, I was looking at, we've talked about Keynote a lot on this show over the years. So I don't think we need to give it the treatment we've given numbers and pages. But Keynote, the original iWorks application. It is a great presentation tool, and I'm reminded of this every time I go to a conference, even though I know that um, PowerPoint has got a lot of love from Microsoft over the years, and they've added some really cool features and tools to it. Uh, I was just at a conference where there was primarily keynote presentations and watching them, I'm sorry, where there was primarily PowerPoint presentations and watching them, they just weren't as good to me as keynote. I think Apple does a really good job with the template design. I think that's one of the reasons why keynote presentations look so good. Well, and has Apple really added that many templates in the last few releases or years? I don't think they have. No, that's one of my questions about it. I mean, uh, the things I like about keynote, let's just start with that. Um, I mean, it's a superior tool for making presentations. It, it works really well. You can tell that, you know, that the CEO of the company was passionate about the program 
in its early days because it's just got a lot. Of, it hits the foundation so well. I mean, text effects, transitions, uh, magic move is still just amazing to me. I remember attending the Macworld where they they initially announced it and realizing how many problems it solved for me. And even though it's kind of an older feature now because it, it was, I think it was 2007 or eight when they released it. It's still an amazing feature. The idea that you can put two things on the screen, duplicate the slide and then move them on the second one. And then the program creates all the animation paths for you. It's, it's such a simple concept, but it works so well. It, it does. And, and we've done entire shows on keynote. We've done entire shows on, um, the various usage of Keynote. But, you know, I think the, the way that the reason that we we like Keynote so much is um, it creates a beautiful product. It's very easy to use. Um, and it, it just works. I mean, people are happy with the results. And it goes so much beyond a presentation app. You know, we, we did a whole show. Well, I guess it was show 332 where we talked about things we do with Keynote that don't even involve presentations, everything from making diagrams to uh, making graphics for videos and screencasts. I think you even, didn't you talk about your Jeopardy game that you made with Keynote in that episode? Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of people who make um, Jeopardy and Family Feud are the two that I see most often. Yeah, so it's just like the, the app goes so far beyond it. I Someone was asking me, they said, I want to get started in screencasting. What, what do I need? What tools do I need? And I said, it's really easy. You need it a decent microphone, a copy of screen uh, flow and a, um, and a copy of keynote and you're good. Uh, so what, what do we not like about keynote in 2018? I, I think the big thing to not like about keynote is that I think the the pace of innovation has flowed for keynote and, and slowing down the pace of innovation is fine. I think part of that is you could just say that it is, it is getting close to feature complete. I mean, how how much innovation do you need in Keynote? But the the one area where we can always see more innovation is we can always see more themes. I, I feel like that could be an annual update. You know, here are the 2018 themes for Keynote. Here are the 2019 themes for Keynote. That's something that we should see every year is, is seeing, you know, a half dozen or so themes added to Keynote. And I, I don't know why we're not seeing that. I mean, maybe Apple... Uh, maybe that's the problem is maybe maybe Apple doesn't want hundreds of themes for for keynote, but uh, I it, it seems like I, I keep hitting the same ones over and over and over again. No, I, I, I completely agree with you there, but I, I would even go further to say there's no way this is feature complete there. Uh, the nature of presentations are changing. People are getting more organic presentations that. Um, where they jump around to different ideas and you can build that into keynote with some clever linking, but it, it requires a lot of trickery by the person creating presentation. I bet there's a way to make that app to make it more organic. Uh, there's all these great presentation tools now where they have like this large, uh, canvas that you zoom around giving your presentation, which is kind of a parlor trick, but it looks cool. I think Keynote could do that if they wanted the, it to. The Prezi style presentations? Yeah, why why not build that into Keynote? I, I, I feel like um, um, the presenter mode uh, could improve. I mean, uh, if somebody wanted to put a bunch of time and effort into it, you know, Apple, if you want me to come sit down with you for a day, I will give you a list of things you could add to Keynote. Uh, but, the, uh, but, you know, it, it's a, um, I, I don't think they should take their foot off the gas with it. Cause it is a great app, but you know, it's not going to be the best app forever if it doesn't continue to innovate. And that, that is my biggest complaint too, is that it's really slowed down. 
Now, I also think Apple could do more to create. Do you remember when iMovie came out? There was, um, I actually found iMovie to be a very difficult tool to use now. It used to be so easy to use iMovie and it just got more and more and more complicated. But there was like a, a magic movie feature or an easy movie feature where you could, you know, pick some clips, pick some themes and, and boom, you had a movie pretty quickly. I wish there were a way to like create a, an easy keynote feature. Like if you just need a quick keynote, uh, you know, here, here's how you can create a really good looking presentation fast. You know, give, here's a here's a folder with pictures in it. Here's a here's an outline you create in iWork or something. Yeah, I mean, like there are there are apps now that you can put a markdown outline together and you push a button and it turns them into slides. So why couldn't you use the outline features of pages and push a button and turn it into slides? You know, I, I, I just, there is a lot of room for growth there, in my opinion, if they would just, you know, do that. All that being said, it still is a great presentation app. So, um, but that's not one that I think, that's a message that a lot of people have got already. I, uh, I've said this before on the show, but I'll say it again since we're talking about Keynote. One of the advantages Keynote has is that it's just not used that often. And when I was giving a lot of jury trials, they always wanted copies of my open quote, you know, I'm air quoting uh, PowerPoint slides that can I have a copy of your PowerPoint slides and that they assumed I was doing it in PowerPoint, but I was doing it in Keynote. And it wasn't that my slides were so amazing. It's just that they hadn't seen those templates before. Well, and they were they were also commenting on the presentation in general. Your your slides were useless to them. They just knew that they liked it, and they thought if they had a copy of it, they could replicate it, but they can't. Yeah, and the other thing is, to Katie's point, you should have more templates. You know, Apple should do Apple-style templates that are amazing, that don't look anything like you see in PowerPoint. It distinguishes your product from the competition, and it makes people that use your product uh, have better slides. And when we've talked in some of the prior shows, there are third parties out there selling interesting uh, templates that you can buy. And those are great. But, you know, why not have Apple include more? What's your favorite template these days? Well, my favorite one is obviously the graphite one because that's the Apple approved. That's, you know, it's Steve's, I, I, Steve's template. <laughs> I know that good things are going to come whenever you use that template. But um, uh, the, the one more thing template, the one more thing template. <laughs> but I also feel like there's there's kind of a hands off. That's that's kind of the sacred template that you're not really supposed to use. That's, you know, I almost wish that they hadn't included it in there because. I, I feel I feel bad every time you use it. So <laughs> it's like at the end you have to announce like a new device or something. At the end you have to have a slide that says one more thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been using uh, lately. I've been going through a brown thing lately. So there's um some of the the built-in Apple ones like uh, there's some really nice textures like brown leather textures and like vintage and leather book and um, Kyoto. And then I've been using that lately a lot with the um, Futura font. I have a, I have a purchased copy of Futura that's nice, thick and bold, and using all caps. That that looks really nice. I'm using that one lately a lot. I've moved past gradients for a while, but we'll see. You know, everything is cyclical, I guess. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander. Text Expander helps you communicate smarter, and you can get twenty percent off your first year by visiting textexpander.com slash podcast and letting them know you came from the Mac Power Users. If you've been listening to the Mac Power Users for any time at all, you know that Text Expander was our original sponsor, and I'm really proud of that because it's a great application that I use every day. Now, maybe you've already heard of text replacement. It's built into a lot of operating systems, but if you haven't used Text Expander, you don't know just how far you can go with it. 
Using Text Expander, you can easily create snippets to do things you do repeatedly, such as getting directions to your house or sharing your mailing address. I use Text Expander to set meeting agendas all the time. Before I step into a meeting, I run off a snippet in my text editor and I'm ready to go. One of my more recent uses for Text Expander is for journaling in day one. I've been using day one to try and journal more, and now I've got these prompts I do through a Text Expander snippet at the end of each day to help me get on my way. But Text Expander goes so much deeper than that. It's got all these built-in tools. For instance, with Text Expander, you can automatically insert tabs and carriage returns. So you can use a Text Expander snippet to fill in a web form or automatically prepare an email for you. I also have a text expander for Teams account that I pay for for my assistant so she can help me send out customer support emails and answer questions that come in on a regular basis using snippets that I've created. If I make any tweaks to the snippets, they automatically populate to her computer and they immediately start going out to customers. And best of all, text expander is just about everywhere. You can get it on your Mac, your iPad, your iPhone, and Windows using the quick search by typing your custom abbreviations. We've heard from a lot of Mac Power users listeners that are particularly enjoying text expander on Windows now so they can put it into effect at their workplace. If you'd like to get an idea just how deep you can go with these things, head over to MacSparky.com slash TE snippets. I've got a whole list of my text expander snippets there that you can download and try for yourself. But the real power and magic of Text Expander is the way it just takes care of this text automation for you. Because it's so powerful, you're going to find increasing ways to use it, and you're going to start using it all day long. Once a month, they send you a report from Text Expander letting you know how much time you saved. And it always amazes me because it's usually at least a full day in each month. I use Text Expander all the time. You should too. If you haven't tried Text Expander yet, you should. And if you go sign up through TextExpander.com slash podcast, you get 20% off. Just make sure to let them know you came from the Mac Power Users. Thanks, Text Expander, for all your support of the Mac Power Users. So, Katie, what do you think about collaboration? I mean, I, I think you were the, the toughest critic with us coming back to using pages to, to build a show in. Um, I think the pages collaboration has held up just fine. I, that's that's high high praise from me. Um, I I've been happy with it. It has worked well. So the the way that this worked is uh, you. I think you created this document, right? Because it, it, it's shared by David Sparks. So you created a pages document, and then under the file menu, um, isn't it share as or isn't that how you you shared it with me? No, there's a, there's a collaborate button. Oh, a collaborate button. That's right, up in the toolbar. Uh, and you gave him my email address and it sent me um, a, an email with a link and it said, you know, David Sparks has invited you to collaborate. Click here. And I clicked on the button. It opened and it uh, I had to think about where, where did it put this? Where did it put this document? Uh, because it wasn't immediately obvious to me where the document was stored. And I found it um, in my iCloud drive uh, in the pages folder in the iCloud drive, um, which I wasn't I wasn't really sure what why it put it there, but I guess that's the default where, where Apple stores pages stuff. I don't normally store things there, but okay, that's where, where Apple store it. Fine. That's interesting. Cause on my end, I actually saved it to a, a folder on my iCloud drive, but it wasn't the pages. It was in the Mac Sparky slash MPU folder. So, right. But you created it. And so it was already saved where you were. I don't, I don't remember it prompting me. It's possible it prompted me. Where did I want to save it? And I, it, that was the default. And I just said, okay, but I don't remember it prompting me 
where to save it. So I, I had to go looking for it after the fact. I wonder if you press the move button, you know, under files, you can move a file. If you moved it to a different location, if that would somehow break collaboration or if it would continue to work. No, we could find out, but probably not right now. <laughs> okay. But okay. So you got, you got in, um, and you did some work on the document and I did some work on a document and generally it looks to me like all the changes, I mean, all, you know, the basic level is if we make changes, do they all show up? I think that it passes that test. Yeah. And it passes it a lot faster um, than what were we using last week? Oh, notes, Apple notes. We were using Apple notes previously to collaborate on the MPU plus show. And that took several seconds for changes to show up. Uh, I would say when we're collaborating within pages, it takes maybe a second or two. Yeah. And that's not as fast. It's not Google Docs fast. You know, the um, with Google Docs, it's simultaneously. It's like you're looking over the person's shoulder as they type a letter and then they backspace, you see it with pages. I think you see it about uh, as each word. I don't think it's that they're waiting for you to finish a word, but it's, a, you know, the way timing goes by the time I finish typing a word, I think it shows up on your screen. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fast. Um, I would definitely recommend this. For example, if, if you and I were writing a paper and, and we wanted to collaborate on a paper, I think that's something that it would work really well with. I, I wasn't thrilled. You know, we have kind of a, I, I'm very set in my ways. I'm very particular. And I'm very uh, used to the formatting and the style that we have with our, our Google Doc. M maybe it was just because we didn't take particular time to format this document in pages, but I felt like it it didn't uh, it didn't format the way that I would have liked it to, which is funny because pages is a word processor that, that should be good at formatting. Yeah, and in fairness, if, if we had spent as much time setting up formatting in this document as we have over the years on our Google Doc, that you would have been fine with that. I mean, I, I think that's just a problem we didn't, solve. In fact, I, I did make improvements to the formatting. And that's one of the things I like about this collaboration is this works so much better on iPad. Uh, today, I had a meeting uh, that was, you know, on the road. And then I had like an, a several hour break before I went somewhere else. So I took my iPad into a coffee shop and spent several hours working on the outline for today's show with my iPad. And I did almost all of the formatting of this document on my iPad. I changed style formats. I changed colors. I, I changed the way the bullets look. I did the indenting. I, you know, all that stuff was done. Uh, and it's much easier on iPad uh, to do that than it would be on Google Docs. Yeah, Google Docs is still a real pain on iOS. And it just seems like there's too many taps and too many presses and too many things that you have to do to make Google Docs. And it works. It works on iOS. But you open it and you say, yes, I want to edit this. And then you start typing and nothing happens. And you're like, oh, I've got to push this little button that says edit it. Oh, great. Okay, whatever. I just don't think they care as much. You know, I mean, obviously, Apple cares more about the iPad than Google does. But uh, I think in particular, Google's just not that concerned about making it a particularly good experience. Like one of the things I did with today's show was I had it in, uh, you know, a split screen on my iPad as I was referencing data on the web and other places to include in the outline. And that is so much easier with pages. Uh, you know, if I if I was working in pages in on um on I'm on iPad every week for our show, I'd be more insistent that we just do this all the time because it, it is way better. But the, the, the truth is I usually do my outline prep for the show at my iMac. So it's not that big of a deal. Um, I, so I've got some stories for you. I, I I'm working on a new field guide and right now it's about 120 pages of a pages document with, you know, 
a lot of words and some section breaks and some graphics, but mainly it's just a lot of words. And I have opened it up. I collaborated with that document with my editor, just the way I collaborated with you on this document. And this is a really good experience for me because traditionally to write a book, I need to start in Ulysses and then, you know, do the Grammarly shuffle and then I, I export it to text. And then I open a Trello project that gets it to my editor and then she does the shuffle on her end and then sends it back. Whereas now we're just all working in pages together. She tracks changes. I see what she changes or suggests or where she has questions. I fix and resolve those things in pages. I never leave the pages file. And, and I don't need Google Docs speed. And it's great. You know, I mean, like even just like she can check links as I add a link to the document and all this stuff that used to be done uh, when I did it in iBooks author, there was a, a ton of extra passes through the whole thing because you, you know, you can't do formatting until the very end when you're working in iBooks author, cause you can't import anything but plain text or, or things could go terribly wrong. Or now I'm doing that kind of formatting as I'm writing the book and it's, um, it's a faster process, more efficient and just far superior. So, uh, that's my pages collaboration story that I'm, I'm really impressed with. I mean, I, I just feel like Apple has been working on a lot of this stuff, the collaboration, the, the, the iOS integration, even this, this annotation tracking, they've got all these little things they've been working on. And suddenly a bunch of this is starting to come to fruition, which, which, uh, makes me happy to see if you hate, um, I work and you only want to use Microsoft. I have no problem with that. You don't need to write me to tell me that's okay. Um, uh, I use them all and, uh, I have reasons for, uh, so let's get back to the original question Katie asked. Um, so who is this I work stuff for? What do you think, Katie? I think I works can be for anyone. Um, uh, I think if you want to be all in, in the Apple ecosystem, if particularly if you want to uh, edit documents on your iPad, if you want to live the multi-iPad lifestyle like you do, David, if you want to uh, swap seamlessly back and forth between iOS and Mac. And I think particularly if you're using these things for personal use, that's a, that's a, that's a great use for, for using uh, pages. Um, I think if you have a, a strict division between work and personal and the, the streams don't need to cross and you don't need to particularly share things with other people, it's fine to use pages for this stuff. Um, I think if, um, if, if you're someone who needs to share documents regularly, if you need to, to share documents in a business environment, then you probably need to look at going the Microsoft Office route. Yeah. And I, I would say just kind of what I was talking about earlier, I think that maybe iWork is the default answer for a lot of people and then find a reason to leave it. Like if you're out there and you're paying 120 bucks a year to Microsoft, just because you think that that's what you need or because everybody tells you that's what you need, but you don't really, aren't, you aren't really using it in a way that makes sense to have to use Microsoft Word. Like you don't have to do this collaborative track changes nonsense that Katie and I do, or you don't have to have those Excel features that some people just have to have. Uh, if you're just getting it because you feel like you sh that's the one you're supposed to get, I would tell you to give this stuff a try because you may save yourself a hundred bucks a year um, and you may be even happier with it. 
but you know, if you are in a business where you have to have office, or if you are at a workplace or a group work with a group of people that everybody just works in Google Docs, then you know you know what you need to do. All right, sounds good. Anything else we need to talk about in terms of iWorkers? This is a deep enough dive. I think it's deep enough. Um, let us know. You know, we always do that feedback show. So if you, if there's something in particular that we missed, let us know. We're happy to to come back to that. But uh, I, I'm happy overall. I, I think I'm happier with iWork than I've been in a while. When Apple unified the code base, I was really concerned they were going to cripple it and not make it any better. Like they took those features out permanently. And I've been really happy to see, you know, Apple Script come back and two-page view come back. They, they've been slowly kind of turning it up. They've also been doing some things that just weren't possible before. Like the idea of me being able to draw a circle around a word on my iPad. And this happened to me prepping for today's show. I drew a circle on my iPad sitting in front of my iMac. And then I saw the circle appear on the same document on my screen on my iMac almost simultaneously. And that would not have happened if they hadn't joined the code base. That just would not have been possible. So, so I feel like um, Apple is showing it love and, and they're not trying to make it Microsoft Word and Excel, but they're, they're doing something different with it. And uh, I don't know if the world has moved past the need for office suites or everybody wants the Google Doc type experience now, but for the people that want this kind of more traditional office suite thing, Apple's got a really good option for you. All right. Sounds exciting. Well, you can find more information about all of the things that we talked about on our website. That's at relay.fm slash NPU. And if you want to continue this discussion, you can continue it over at our Facebook group. Um, also, we want to thank our sponsors for this episode. FreshBooks, Casper, 1Password, and TextExpander. Uh, and thanks for joining us, and we will see you all next time. <laughs>